Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about foreign policy and world affairs. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. And in this show, we interview journalists and think tank types about topical global issues. And we go deep with foreign policy thought leaders and luminaries who discuss their life and career. A few weeks ago, I came across one of the more interesting academic papers I'd seen in a while. The paper by Lucas Davis and Paul Gertler of the Haas School of Business at the University of California, Berkeley, examined the relationship between income levels, temperature, and the prevalence of air conditioners. They found that as people reached a specific income level in certain climate zones, they almost certainly decide to buy an air conditioner. First you buy a TV then you buy a refrigerator, then you buy an air conditioner, and then you buy a, a car. Their case study was Mexico, but the implications of their findings are global. Take India, for example. We recorded this conversation a couple weeks ago, before India became beset by one of the deadliest heat waves in modern history. At time of recording, over 2,000 people have been killed in a current heat wave, with temperatures exceeding 113 degrees Fahrenheit. The heat wave will almost certainly inspire more Indians to purchase an air conditioner. But how many Indians are likely to make that decision? And what are the implications of millions of new air conditioners to India's fragile energy grid and global carbon emissions more broadly? On the line with me to discuss this study is co-author Lucas Davis, whose research in Mexico offers key insights into how warm climate countries like India may be affected by an increased demand for air conditioning as income levels rise. He discusses the relationship between climate change income levels and AC and why Mexico was the perfect place to study air conditioners. If you're new to Global Dispatches Podcast, welcome. You can go to globaldispatchespodcast.com to learn what we're all about and subscribe for free on iTunes and get the app for free for your iPhone or Android. And if you're a return and regular listener, welcome back. I think you'll enjoy this conversation. I know I did. So here it is, my conversation with Lucas Davis, co-author of a new study that appeared in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences of the United States of America. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. We had been studying Mexican electricity demand for some time. And it was striking how much electricity was being consumed by, by a relatively small fraction of households that have air conditioning. What we would see is it would be routine for households to use three times as much electricity in the summer months as in the winter months, indicating that most of that consumption is coming from air conditioning. So it just seemed like, it seemed like a really uh, a, an important and understudied driver of the, of, of the demand patterns we were seeing. And so how did you go about then collecting data on air conditioning use in Mexico? Yeah, so we were, we were, when, we, when we started to get into this, we were surprised by how few studies have been done on air conditioning. 
And I think one of the problems is that most international surveys of households do not ask about air conditioning. We ask about a lot of things. We always ask about um, most major appliances. But across countries, it's air conditioning has slipped through the cracks in a lot of places. Uh, Mexico, in, 2000, in their 2010 and 2012 um, income and expenditure surveys, though, did ask about air conditioning. So, and so this was this is a large representative sample, and this was a this was a neat opportunity to to get some sense of of air conditioning saturation in this in this important middle income country. Uh, but the other nice thing about it, by by coming in that in that form, we also knew a lot about the households and we knew a lot about their income and expenditure. And so that was really the, the what was neat about this paper is we were able to see how air conditioning saturation changes across households with different levels of income. So you had like a really rich data set. It sounds like terrifically rich data. Uh, and the neat thing about Mexico is that it's got it's just incredibly diverse country. So I mean, first in terms of climate. You have everything. You have everything from extremely hot and humid coastal areas to quite cool um, highland areas. So you'd kind of all uh, this massive range of climates represented. You also have this this incredibly large range in incomes from very poor to very rich, uh, and this is all represented there. So it's in a sense, you know, this is this is a this is a single a study of a single country, but I think it's a country that is uniquely poised to tell us a lot about, about air, what air conditioning could look like in the future. Okay, so what did you find out about patterns of air conditioning? You call it saturation, right? That's your term of art, air conditioner saturation? Yeah, we call it saturation. Yeah, but just, the, so, I mean, the first, the first kind of fact is that today in Mexico, 13% of households have air conditioning. We think that is poised to increase to above 60, 70% plus in just a few decades, you know, just one or two decades. Because, because what we see is that in cool parts of Mexico, nobody has air conditioning. I think, you know, zero, near 0% zero saturation mm-hmm. at all income levels. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. I think it's, it's a bit lower than even though cool areas in the U.S. And, you know, whether that, that could could change to some extent, but I think the norms really are uh, somewhat different today in Mexico. Norms, again, could change over several decades, but close to zero saturation in cool places. In warm places, we just find this, this steady and dramatic increase in air conditioning as households grow richer. Mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, you go from zero percent, near zero percent for low-income households, to 80 percent plus saturation uh, above $25,000 U.S. annual income. And the, then the, the, the stunning part about it is how steep that income air conditioning relationship is in, in the middle income range, you know, from something like $7,000 U.S. annual income to $15,000 in annual income. There's a dramatic, it looks like an S-curve of saturation. And this is right where the meat of the distribution of annual income is in Mexico today, which suggests that as, the, as households grow richer, you're just going to see a, a, a large increase in saturation. You're going to see a lot of households going to purchase their first air conditioner. So basically, when families reach that 7000 to 15000 annual income mark, they're going to use that money to buy an air conditioner if they live in a warm place in Mexico. That's what, our, that's what our, the results suggest. Um, so 
I guess projecting into the future, I mean, what do you see this like? How do you see this trend evolving in in Mexico? And then we'll talk globally. So I think first. So I think uh, the first thing we recognize is that this is a great thing. This is this means that households are growing richer. There are a lot of places where you're very happy to have an air conditioner, and I think you're going to see just a lot more happy Mexican households, you know, enjoying um, uh, better temperatures inside their homes. So this is great. Uh, this is going to be a significant challenge, though, uh, for, from a perspective of energy infrastructure and the environment. Uh, just one, uh, you know, another, another fact, another data point. Uh, U.S. electricity consumption is forecast to increase at less than 1% a year over the next two decades. Mexican residential electricity consumption is forecast to increase by more than 4% a year. Maybe 4% doesn't sound like a lot, but you add that up year across year, year across year, that is a huge increase in electricity consumption. It's going to be a massive challenge to meet that in terms of generation and, infra- generation and transmission infrastructure. And, you know, unless that is generated entirely with renewables, which, which it looks like it's not going to be, this, this represents millions of tons of additional carbon dioxide emissions. So basically, as I mean, this this is sort of very in, intuitive, right? Like, as people get wealthier, they want more stuff. Some of that stuff includes air conditioning, uh, but the current you know electricity grid a might not be able to handle it, and b if unless like the technology around air conditioning changes, uh, it's going to be a pretty significant source of carbon emissions, right? Yeah. So take a take a country like India. So in India has four times the population of the U.S. It also has over three times the average cooling degree days, which means that the average um, household in India sees a lot of warm weather every, every, every year. Uh, this means that if you take that population number and multiply it by the cooling degree number, you get that the air conditioning potential in a country like India is over 12 times the air conditioning potential of the United States. India already suffers from chronic electricity shortages. There's routine rolling blackouts. Um, and to, so take that as your starting point and then increase electricity consumption by, you know, four, five, six percent a year. That's going to, it's going to be a massive challenge. It'll require an enormous rollout of, of, of infrastructure. It's going to require improvements in energy efficiency. It's, it's going to require better, more economic based pricing of electricity. Uh, it's, you know, I think there's there's a lot here to keep me keep me busy doing research for for many years. Um, do you think like the consumer demand for you know for reliable electricity uh, in India, as you know, more consumers are able to purchase air conditioners over the next you know few decades, will that do you think drive innovation in improving the grid, or you know will the grid have to be improved before? all these consumers can use their air conditioner? I mean, it, 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 it's a, I think that's a really important and tough question to answer. Within India, there's parts, there's parts of the grid that are very reliable where you'd expect air conditioning purchases to be made and made at, uh, at, at high rates. There are other parts of the grid that are so unreliable that you wouldn't expect that, that households are going to kind of throw up their arms and say, I'm not going to invest in air conditioning. It's like, wouldn't actually get to use it enough enough hours of the year. Um, I wonder, you, you know, you've brought up, I think, the important um, like carbon emissions 
problem. And uh, like, do you see, I mean, based on your study of air conditioning, uh, are there any like innovations in air conditioning on the horizon that might suggest, you know, that we're going to have more efficient units or units that just, you know, emit less or are less, less like electricity heavy? So over the last three decades, air conditioners have, have gotten 30% more energy efficient. That's a that's a historic improvement in energy efficiency. It's an it's an impressive accomplishment. Today's air conditioners are are are, are really impressive. Uh, as the as the market for air conditioning grows, I would expect that to increase. I think we'll continue to discover how to make air, make existing air conditioners more and more energy efficient. Uh, and over the long long term, I, I'm optimistic about broader forms of adaptation. I think there's going to be a limit to how much more energy efficient we can actually make these units. But we can also build our homes better to require less cooling. We can build more insulated homes. We can use natural shading. We can also choose to put homes in locations where you require less cooling. And, and that, also, that also means migration within and across countries to places that are cooler, which, you know, you think you know, that's just, that, takes, that takes decades, not years, years to happen, right? But I think there's there's many forms of adaptation that that are that are gonna that are all gonna tend to reduce reduce total total cooling demand. So uh, going back again to this India example, so in Mexico you found um, that you know once incomes hit seven thousand to fifteen thousand dollars a year, you know that that sort of demand for air conditioning goes way up, or, or the air air conditioning saturation goes up way up. That's your term. Do you see that? Um, do you expect that? same income level to translate to different countries like India or like Indonesia? I think, I think we need more studies uh, in more countries, but I think this is highly suggestive. As, as you said earlier, as people grow richer, they, they're going to want more, more stuff. And one of, the things, one of the things people are going to want is to be able to sit in a cool home or cooler home. Uh, and, and as we looked across countries, we have not done studies. We'd love to do studies of other countries. But as you just, but we have just looked at basic summary statistics for other countries, and it's just striking how many places in the world are both very hot and with income levels kind of right in that Mexico or or somewhat lower than Mexico range. I mean, we mentioned India, uh, China. China is cooler, but obviously has this huge population. But then Indonesia, huge country, very hot. Nigeria, huge country, very hot. Pakistan, Bangladesh, Brazil, Philippines, Vietnam, Thailand. It goes on and on. There's a lot of places that are, you know, low to middle income countries that are poised to increase their conditioning demand dramatically over the next two decades. Um, I wonder if um, there are ancillary health benefits to having air conditioning. I mean, a lot of the countries you mentioned, for example, are endemic to malaria, you know, mosquito-borne disease. But as people maybe shut their windows or, um, you know, spend more time inside, I wonder if those mosquito-borne parasites, I guess in Mexico you have chikungunya and, and dengue as well, might, um, might decrease over time. Yeah, that's a great point. I would expect a decrease in vector-borne disease. Um, I'd also expect less Less exposure to uh, to out, ex, out uh, to air pollutants. I mean, that's been one one thing we've seen in urban China. Urban China has massively increased air conditioning, and that, in a, to to some degree, has reflected a, a desire by households to close their windows and not be breathing the air. Breathing the air. Uh, 
these are these are these are benefits. These are these are. There's no question. These are benefits, and it underscores the maybe what should be kind of the first takeaway from from this, which is this is a good thing. People are getting richer, and they're they're this, they're they're making these purchases that are making them better off. Uh, that this you know this is developed this is this is this is this is a product of people being better off which which is a good thing so i just love the fact that air conditioners can tell us so much about global development i mean who would have thought right i think it, it you know I, yeah i mean i think i think first maybe you know we see in mexico we see it's first you first you buy a tv then you buy a refrigerator then you buy an air conditioner and then you buy a, a car and you see, you know, within Mexico, there's 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 an entire range. Everybody has TVs. Eighty percent of households have refrigerators, and then it and then it falls a lot with air conditioning and cars. But it definitely this is what development looks like: is a series of S curves in which people adopt adopt different um, different um, durable goods. The fact that a lot of these durable goods use energy means that there are important implications to think about for energy markets and the environment. Uh, but this is, yeah, this is coming out of development. Well, that was a lot of fun. Very interesting to me and I suspect to you as well. Thanks for listening. If you're a regular listener, thank you. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Mark L. Goldberg or send me an email via globaldispatchespodcast.com. Let me know what you think. Let me know who you want me to interview, what topics you want me to cover. Hey, if there's a great new fascinating academic study out there that I might have missed, send it my way. Maybe we'll do an episode around it. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye.